Welcome to the Henrik Stenson Almost an Hour podcast. Jeff Newbarth here with Henrik Stenson. I'm hoping to get him to give me a full hour because this is show number three. And when I think of three and Henrik Stenson, I think of your three wood. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good, thanks. How's the three wood doing? Uh, three wood is, is resting up nicely. Uh, I still don't believe I'll give you a full hour, but we'll, we'll see where we're end, uh, where, uh, we will see where we end up. All right. Well, I mean, these are some of the longest days of the year. So it's not like I'm taking away time. You can be outside enjoying the, the beautiful sunlight. You just celebrated midsummer. Um, I, I have these great thoughts as to what midsummer would be. Um, can you explain to people what it is and kind of tell people what you did for the, for, for the holiday? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's kind of one of our really big uh, holidays. Uh, I'd say after Christmas, it's uh, it's probably the the holiday. Um, and uh, family, friends, uh, you get together, uh, you eat a lot, the same as you do at either Thanksgiving or Christmas and some of the other holidays. So, uh, uh, kind of get together with some friends. Everyone brings some some different dishes to the. Uh, to the smurgos board or the you know you're bringing different things and uh, uh, for the lunch part of it it's uh, a lot of uh, seafood a lot of herring pickled herring and salmon and yeah all, all kind of different dishes and breads and salads and whatnot uh, and then of course there's some beer some snaps uh, the aquavits, uh, all those things that uh, that can get you a little bit. I'm not a big drinker myself, but uh, I've seen uh, one or two casualties already at lunch over the years. And uh, then in the evening, we, we changed it up a little bit and, and had more of a barbecue. And it's normally known for being a pretty rough day in terms of the weather. Everyone's excited. It's midsummer and it turns out to be 60 and raining sideways and people are just hiding away and trying to get through it. But this year, all over Sweden, it was it was really nice weather. It was hot. It was calm. And um, we were sitting outside and, and having the fireplace and and the heaters and everything uh, un, until about 2 a.m. So, uh, yeah, we had a great time with some with some friends. Nice. All right. Well, maybe next year I'll, uh, I'll get the invitation. We can do the podcast live over there. Um, yeah. Don't well, hold your breath, huh? All right. Seems like every week that seems to be the theme. I try to get myself a little bit closer to, 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 to doing something in person with you, and you say, stay on the other side of the country. All right, big news this week. Um, we had some positive COVID cases on the PGA Tour, starting with Nick Watney. Um, we then had um, uh, Brooks Kepka's caddy, which forced him to pull out of the tournament. Webb Simpson pulled out due to a family member uh, who was positive, even though I did see that, uh, that Webb's wife posted that uh, both Webb and Paul Tesori uh, and everybody was all okay. And then the really kind of the strange one, Henrik, for me was Jason Day. He, he uh, had reason to have a test in the morning on Saturday, and they sent him out by himself uh, Saturday and basically said, you can play because we don't have the results back on your tee time, uh, and they earlyed up the tee times due to weather, but if the result comes back positive, we're going to pull you off the golf course. Do you have any thoughts on, on you know, Jay Monahan gave a long press conference on Wednesday. Uh, there were some calls for him to, to basically postpone the event. What are your thoughts on, on what's going on as we're seeing a little more of the virus kind of uh, get closer to the tour? Yeah, it's uh, again, it's it's a difficult one. Uh, I think everyone is trying to to take big uh, caution and, and minimizing the the impact here and on on others and yourself and and following the guidelines and everything else uh, in terms of uh, risk. There was always going to be a risk that that some players and caddies and and 
people around the events are going to test positive and and, and get uh, get coronavirus uh, here at some point. Uh, still, like we read in in many reports, given how many tests, you're bound to see a couple showing up, but. Obviously, it's not a trend we want to see getting bigger, but I'm, I'm sure it will follow what happens in, in the states and the countries that we, that we play as well. That we, If we're playing a tournament where, where there's uh, a lot of new cases popping up, there, there's a fair chance there will be more cases popping up on, on the players as well. But we'll just have to try and carry on as, as we do, as, as cautiously as we can, and, uh, and hopefully it won't, it won't trend in the wrong direction going forward. But you don't want them to to have a, a case number similar. You know, Danny McCarthy, I think, was another one. Um, I don't want to leave anybody out. But you you were agreed with the stance that the tour took that we have to learn to sort of uh, deal with this and and use the best measures, but to keep playing golf, right? Yeah, I, I don't see the call for for postponing or canceling as of now. I think it's it's been kind of within you know the margin of, of what you would expect here and and we just gotta carry on trying to make it make it work as as well as it can and and i'm, I'm sure um everyone involved uh will get better as as time goes on here on on how to handle everything and uh yeah i'm i'm, I'm supporting carrying on playing golf at this point uh, even though i haven't still started up myself uh um, we still got to try and try and move on and, and get going at the same time. Because if you want to ride this out with with you know no exposure, I guess you'd be in your backyard growing carrots for the next four years or something. I mean, it's it's not not the option is not great either. So um, yeah, I, I support carrying on and uh, and we'll just have to, to take it on a, on a weekly week by week basis, really. I'd love to see your garden. Like, do you, do you actually have carrots in your backyard growing, or or do you grow other vegetables? We have a few vegetables. We got some carrots. Uh, yeah, they're, they're not ready yet, but I'll uh, I'll bring a few over for you. Ah, can't wait. See, things are things are getting better between us already. All right, um, you kind of teed it up for me. Um, what? Uh, just I want to update it every time we we do an episode. Uh, what is your plan? Uh, any changes to the plan for you to return? You, you'd mentioned Memphis as uh, your your U.S. debut. Yeah, that's still the the same. Uh, Memphis, the PGA uh, Championship, the week after those are the are going to be the first two. So, uh, yeah, it's important for me to get some good practice and play a lot of golf uh, leading up to to Memphis. Of course, it's been a long break from from competition on my end, and uh, yeah, I just want to try and be as, as sharp as I can be when uh, when Memphis comes around, and and uh, that's the that's the rehearsal for for the first major of the year. Yeah, it's going to be such a crazy fall, and um, I think you're seeing it already that that players, once they start playing, you just kind of keep going and going, kind of maintain uh, kind of in that social bubble uh, and kind of move on. Um, yeah, Memphis is a, is, is a good spot. You certainly, uh, you may get a thunderstorm or two there in, in the afternoon, and that's something we saw in, in Hartford. What's it like for tour pros um, when they move up tee times, whether it's a Saturday or a Sunday, I mean, obviously they won't move them up on, on a Thursday, Friday, but what's it like when they move it up on a weekend and kind of go threes, both sides, is there any difference in the routine or, or does it not matter? They just tell you when to play and you play. Yeah. I think with, with time and experience, it, it tends to be more that way that you, you've dealt with the, uh, weather delays, rain delays, fog delays, whatnot, spend uh, hours and sometimes days in the clubhouse waiting for, 
for a for a call to go out and finish around or, or keep keep playing again. So I think with time you take it more with ease and uh, and you kind of sonar out and you just yeah you, you're not really uh, wasting a lot of energy on thinking when you're going to start again. You just chill out. You do other things and and try and be ready when when you get the call to play again. So it's not such a big deal on on my end, I'd say, but it can certainly it can certainly uh, mess with your with your rhythm and your flow uh, if you if you're being called on off the golf course and then you're spending an hour and then you back out and then you're getting called off again. So those kind of start stops uh, in an afternoon uh, can be uh, can be a little tough because you can be playing great and you get called off and then you're not really getting into the same groove again when you when you're starting up. So sometimes a, a break can be good for you if a round is going in the wrong direction. It gives you a bit of a bit of a breather, and and then you can do a warm up, and you might finish around a lot better than than you would have done otherwise. But it could it could work both ways. You can be in a great run, and all of a sudden that magic is gone when you're getting uh, getting started four hours later in the in the evening. So um, who knows? But take it with ease, and uh, it's not something that that I feel impacts me too much these days. All right. Well, you're you're always uh, one of the smartest when it comes to the schedule because a lot of these tournaments right after the U.S. Open, when the U.S. Open would have been played, are always kind of in Thunderstorm Alley, right? You know, you have Hartford every year, and then this week they're going to Detroit. Um, you're not you, you never play those because you always go home uh, to Sweden and, and get some some vacation. So I don't want to ask you specifics about the golf course, but I do want to talk about a couple uh, notable things that happened on tour this week. C- can I get your take on uh, the incredible Hulk uh, Bryson DeChambeau and uh, what we're seeing him doing with with these incredible driving distances? I mean, part of me thinks you went to Sweden to to double the output of his protein shakes and are doing 10 to 12 a day and are going to come back um, and hitting the ball 600 yards with your three wood is, is am I right or am I a little off? Yeah, I was thinking more like 650 three woods. That, that would be handy. Yeah, that would um, be good. I, I think I've probably done as many protein shakes uh, this far this summer as he do, is, as uh, Bryson is doing in a day then. So, uh, no, I don't think you... you I'm going I'm to look like a like a tiny stick when I stand next to him uh, in a couple of weeks' time. But uh, he's obviously uh, thought this through properly. He wants to to gain a lot of distance and, and uh, gained a lot of muscle, uh, possibly gained a, a pound of fat as well at the same time uh, by the looks of it. But uh, <laughs> it's... Uh, no, I mean, he's done it for, for his golf game. Uh, and he's certainly getting the distances... Um, out of it that that he wants to and i don't it'd be interesting to see when when he thinks it's enough and if he's just going to keep on going here and and keep on uh, breaking pants and shirts eventually i, I don't know where, where it's going to end up but uh, you know every credit for for the dedication and and uh, it's all for for his uh, for his distance and his game so uh, yeah i'm not gonna not gonna give him too much grief about it all right. Well, let's. Yeah, you don't want to give him too much grief because I mean, he could probably break you as big as he is. Um, can, can you just do me a favor? What if you do undertake the same um, thing? Because we wear the same shirt size. Uh, when you when you bulk up and you have to go to the triple XL shirt, can I just can I just raid your closet? Yeah, I'll send a couple of large over to you. Large. Um, I'm a medium. Oh, you're medium. Yeah, I'm oh, going the other direction. I'm going the other direction. That's, that's a shame. All right. Well, speaking of something else, I can sort of relate to is uh, getting closer to fifty. 
even though, as as you like to note on any opportunity, I am older than you, uh, and you do say that it, it shows and visually. Um, but Phil, at 50, rounds one and two, recapturing the magic, you know, two rounds in the 60s, um, didn't have the weekend that, that I know he wanted. Um, what are your thoughts on, on 50-year-old Phil out there with the aviator sunglasses, joggers wearing yesterday, which is just a crazy look, um, but looked pretty good on Phil. Um, what are your thoughts on on kind of what he's trying to do? It's just it's such a it just shows you how golf truly is this game of a lifetime. Yeah, it, again, we, we've said that before with with some of the great players. I mean, you you can't count uh, you can't count them out. Even even though age is not going to make it any easier, he's he's got a fantastic short game, uh, and and he's been working hard both on his golf game, but certainly on his fitness. We all follow that journey that he's taken on here in the last couple of years. And uh, um, the aviators, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he likes this uh, youthful look by uh, and, and, and kind of sporty look at, uh, at the moment, I guess. Um, we could argue with the shoes, though. I mean, the joggers, I'll, I'll let them pass, but I'm not sure if they, if they match that well with the, with the golf shoes that he's wearing at the moment. But I'll... Uh, I give him a thumbs up for for trying here to be uh, to be fashionable, and uh, he certainly worked hard on his physique as well. So he's in he's in great shape, and uh, and he's still still got what it takes to um, to compete at the highest level, no doubt. Are uh, are we going to be seeing you in joggers? I'm not so sure about the joggers. Maybe more the aviators then. <laughs> yeah, well, you've, you've, you are always Especially wearing sunglasses. When, yeah, you have your own sunglass company. I got my own brand, so I got yeah. plenty to choose from. I know. Uh, yeah, so we'll see when, I, when I'll sport the, uh, the aviators then. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, Maybe well, in a pro-am. Yeah. Oh, in a pro-am. You know, that's, that's, that's kind of my thing. Um, I'd be more the am part of it. But I, I like the joggers on the golf course. I'm, I'm not afraid to put those at myself, but I'm not 50. No, no, you get away with it for another year or two. Yeah, another year or two. All right, um, question to kind of put you on the spot because that's what's kind of fun doing this is of all the young stars, there's so many of them right now. Uh, I mean, we even saw Will Gordon, kind of uh, former college All-American, come out and finish third. Uh, young Callaway staffer who's now got temporary membership for the rest of the year can take those unlimited sponsor spots. Um, of all the young stars, if if we're going to talk in 20 years, and I'm hoping we're still doing this podcast in 20 years, um, who, who do you think potentially would would be the guy you you would say would have the best career if you had to make the decision right now yeah it's uh i mean i'm not free to pick any one of, of the guys who yeah. already kind of accomplished a little bit i mean uh one that i would think uh will have continued to to play really well and do great things would be justin thomas it is it's hard not to not to mention him there uh, john rom obviously has had a fantastic couple of years if he can Continue as well. Sanders Shuffley. Uh, there's, there's a bunch of guys. Then uh, once we're going into Morikawa, Hovland, and Wolf, and, and yeah, some of these players, I mean, they, they're one on tour, um, but of course, they're, they're quite a few steps behind someone like Justin Thomas at this point in terms of achievement. So it's, it's. Uh, I mean, I feel, I feel like I'm, I'm picking the the more safer options here by going with someone like Justin Thomas at this point. Well, I mean, that's a pretty good pick. I mean, to me, uh, I kind of have the same names as you written down. I have Justin Thomas and Xander. Uh, I just think yeah. for the, for the next 15, 20 years, the consistency, what's interesting about both of them is you, you'll see it when, uh, when they get in the mix 
that it's just almost like a different gear comes in. And they're certainly like like not afraid of it. I don't think any of you guys are afraid of it, but uh, they just seem to perform well under that stage. So good picking there. I, I kind of like this. Yeah, I think it's the the, the mental aspect. Obviously, the the focus kind of gets a little bit better, and and uh, and of course they 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 they're great players, and and they they enjoy being in the in contention, and and the adrenaline just makes you focus that little bit harder and. And you enjoy being in that position, so uh, that's certainly a great, uh, a great thing to have, and and uh, something that can be quite difficult to to learn and improve as well. If you don't like to be in that position, uh, which some players don't seem to do, then it, it can be quite a quite a challenge over over time to try and overcome that. Yeah. Plus, both their dads golf pros. Always helps to have your dad as a golf pro. All right, we're going to move into my favorite segment of the show, and that's hard because it's like picking favorite children. You don't want to. You don't want to pick. Uh, but this is uh, ask. Well, I'm not going to ask. That's not going to be one of the questions I'm going to ask the Iceman. Um, we are using your social media channels, Henrik, and we got tons of questions from fans. So go to Henrik's social media channels and ask a question, and you may get it answered on the next episode of this podcast. And Henrik, did you hear the giant, huge announcement for those four individuals whose questions we're about to ask? Yeah, I did. I mean, would you like to make the announcement for everyone to hear? This is big. Yeah. That if you, uh, if you, uh, submit a question and you get chosen, then you're going to receive a nice t-shirt in the mail. A t-shirt. I thought it was a new car. We went Uh, back to a t-shirt. We went back to the T-shirts, oh, yeah. Man. But as All soon right. as you get the uh, the deal with the with the car manufacturer sorted, then then we'll start handing out cars as well. That'd be for maybe in twenty years, like you said. Oh, that'd be nice. That that'd be the goal. All right. So in twenty years, we will have Xander Shoffley on the podcast as our guest, and we will hand someone a car. Got it. But new T-shirts, and I have seen the prototype design of these T-shirts. They are very very sporty. Um, and, and luckily for us, Bryson didn't win one, so we don't have to develop that size with the extra <laughs> bicep. So let's get into these questions. Mm-hmm. First one's from Chris Jenkins. Describe a moment during the final round of the Open when you felt the most pressure, and what did you do to stay calm? Yeah, I think the, the one moment when I think back of the, of the final round uh, where it was really uh, one of those moments was the 16th uh, uh, Phil hit a great second shot in, and I hit it to the left. Uh, I, I kind of intentionally went for the front left side of the green because I knew where the pin position was. That if I if I go right, I got no chance for an up and down. So I needed to be on the left side. Uh, I tugged it a little bit more. I ended up in the rough. Played a good recovery from the thick rough, and I had about a five footer. I think four and a half, five footer down the hill. A little bit of a breaker uh, for birdie. And I'm holding a two-shot lead at the moment, and it was a crucial part to make to to not lose any momentum or open the door to fill. So I think the the most pressured uh, I, uh, I felt the most pressure I felt under that final round was that five-footer on the on the 16th, and that's when you you got to trust uh, in yourself and and you got to follow your routines, both your your physical routine and your mental routine. So. Uh, really uh, staying in in the moment and and going through everything like you would normally do and yeah I and and stay committed you pick a line you you commit to your line and and you hit a good part and um, I I recall from from watching the 
the uh, the video afterwards that I I think I I uh, I even give it a little fist pump when the ball is probably about a foot before it drops in the hole because it was dead center and and never in doubt of missing. So uh, I'd uh, I'd have to say that moment there on the 16th green in the final round. And we made a poster of that here in the office, just for kind of people around the office here. That was one of our favorite moments as well. So well done, Chris Jenkins, with that question. Here comes a fun one. This is from Will Murray. Not to be confused with Bill Murray. Uh, Will is 12 years old, and I'm sure you remember this. You signed a hat for him at the uh, Scottish Open. Yeah, how, uh, there's no way I would forget Will at the Scottish Open. No, yeah. no chance. And you don't sign a lot of hats, so I think that 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 was definitely uh, one of those moments. He wants to know who has been your favorite playing partner in the Ryder Cup. Great question, Jeff. Just just because I don't sign your hat doesn't mean I don't sign a lot of hats. I oh, sign really? tons oh, of hats. Man. Yeah, yeah. I so, just t- uh, I... don't get that com- don't get that confused. All right. Well, My, Will, uh, I'm sure your hat yeah, was Will... a special one. <laughs> Will's question here, the favorite playing partner in the Ryder Cup, uh, no doubts uh, I would have to give that to my to my partner Justin Rose. We've uh, had a great partnership since the 2014 Ryder Cup. We played uh, uh, three matches together in, uh, in at Glen Eagles and won all three there and did uh, reasonably well at uh, Hazleton and then won both our uh, team format matches um, in Paris as well. So I've had a great partnership with Justin Rose. Uh, obviously enjoyed playing with the other guys uh, before that in, in the uh, 06 and 08 Ryder Cup as well. But I felt like from 2014, uh, Justin and myself became a, a strong team together and uh, we enjoyed each other's company and uh, played some great games together. So um, I trust him dearly as a partner and hopefully he feels the same. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have at least one more chance to go out there in in a, in a Ryder Cup and, and play with Justin and bring a few more points home for Europe. So uh, let's see if we can make that happen either right. this year or next year, depending on what happens. Yeah, you don't have any breaking news for us, do you, on that? I, I don't. Okay. Um, I've, I've seen the, the kind of... Uh, yeah, the reports. The reports, but nothing has been confirmed yet. So we, we just all all have to stay patient and see what's, what's going to happen here right. in terms of the Ryder Cup. Well, I hope you break the news. Like, let that be really cool if we could break the news as to uh, that they they will use this platform as the official platform to let us know if we're playing or not. Uh, speaking of Justin Rose, you did a video with him, Gary Player. I'm going to leave someone out, so I'm not going to mention it. It's European Tour. Um, it's it's basically the Zoom conference call where Martin Keimer was trying to just simply walk you guys through the issues of locker room access and other things, uh, and it kind of spiraled out of control. And what I loved about the video, Henrik, is if you didn't know the backstories and you didn't know who Mr. Player was and that he, how do I say this kindly, likes to speak every now and then and uh, tell a story or two, or that <laughs> Justin Rose, your your partner, doesn't like to, to, to use foul language at all, and, and they put all those in, you were still entertained whether you got the inside jokes or not. What was it like uh, recording that video, and is there something funny that didn't get put in the video that, uh, that, that, that we, we got robbed of? Uh, not on my end, really. I mean, we, we all had, uh, yeah, the social media team at the European Tour did a great job with this little video and putting that together. And obviously a lot of lot of players were, were good sport for participating and uh, Monty and, and, uh, and Mr. Player and, and all the other guys. So, I mean, it was, uh, it was good fun to, to watch the final product. We all had little bits and pieces that we were asked to record then and then they edited all together and and uh, made a a pretty 
pretty funny little video there. And, and I think during these uh, last couple of months, I think everyone's uh, been maybe in a, in a conference call or a Zoom call that's gone a little bit out of hand. And um, I remember watching my, my kids uh, when they did the, the online schooling and, and all of a sudden, even though they were not supposed to, to put them, unmute themselves and, and, and be there every now and again, you could just hear them started cracking up and started talking anyway. So uh, I, I guess a lot of people would feel familiar with, uh, with what happened in, in our Zoom call. Hopefully theirs weren't as bad as ours. Uh, yeah, was yours, yours be, went but. off the rails. Yours went off the rails. Well, go check it out, <laughs> European Tour Social. Uh, it is really, really good fun. But what made me think of it was when you mentioned Justin Rose because uh, when he turned to the side and he basically just started complaining about the call and then a second later looks uh, in the camera and says, hey, you're doing a really great job, Martin, uh, as if we yeah. didn't hear what he said. It's uh, <laughs> one of the key things to Zoom calls, hit the mute button. All right, uh, next question from Jody Barrow. Jody, you're getting a T-shirt. What has been the best golf course you have ever played? And then two-parter, is there a golf course you want to play that you've not had the opportunity to play with uh, play yet? Yeah, I'd say, uh, I mean, I, I love playing Lynx golf and uh, Muirfield in Scotland is, is certainly one of my favorites. So straight up, I'll, I'll pick I'll pick Muirfield. I had a great time there at the 2013 Open uh, and just love playing that golf course. So I'll, I'll pick Muirfield. One that I haven't uh, had the opportunity to play as yet, the Cypress Points uh, I was at Pebble in in uh, end of December here with with my family and we played Pebble, but uh, I'd like to to get out at Cypress Point uh, sometime here in the in the next couple of years. So um, I'll try and make that happen, and uh, that looks gorgeous as well. Yeah, heard good things about it. All right, next one, Declan McDonald, worst shot you've seen by a fellow professional. That's not really nice, Declan. There's been. There's been quite a few bad shots, and and myself included. I've hit uh, I've hit a few shanks. I mean, I shanked one at the U.S. Open and one at the at the British Open uh, last year. So I mean, that's never fun uh, to hit the fossil rockets uh, at the wrong time. But that does happen. And uh, uh, one thing that comes to mind, though, and this is uh, a friend of mine on the European tour, Steve Webster. We're playing together at Woburn. This is back in 2004, I believe. And he's actually hitting this par four in two, a long par four in two on the front part of the green. The pin is back left. And he'll crack up if he's ever listening in on this podcast now and hears this story again. He'll, he'll start cracking up and laughing about it because he hits this birdie part and he's chasing the cut. It's the eighth hole. We're going to finish on the ninth. And he needs a birdie to have a chance to make the cut. So he goes a little bit too aggressively on this birdie putt and actually puts it off the green, down in the rough. And then he lays sod over the first wedge and whiffs the next one. And the third one, I think he got up on the front part of the green and three-putted for a nine, I believe. Oh, God. So uh, it's not necessarily the worst shot but it's certainly the worst score for some for a professional to hit the par four in two and walk away with an eight or a nine uh is certainly the worst result that i've ever seen so i'll have to pick uh, my friend steve webster for that one there 
All right. Congratulations, Steve. Well, you know, let's just send Steve Webster a T-shirt as well. Uh, if you have a question for Henrik, go to Henrik's social channels. You can find him on Instagram. You can find him on Twitter. You're very active on social lately, uh, I've noticed. Um, even put one of those midsummer pictures up. Uh, please yeah. ask your question for the Iceman. Win a T-shirt, and in 20 years, stay with us, and you can win a new car. All right. I want to transition to our architect design moment. Uh, a lot of people don't know uh, about your passion for architecture, so that's why we're doing it on the podcast. You have a course in Sweden that you've done. Have you done any more work on uh, what, while you're over there on the golf course, or are you just kind of letting it kind of no, settle? No, we're waiting. Uh, no, they, they actually uh, came out with the, uh, with the new rankings here for, for best courses in Sweden, and yeah. uh, we, moved, uh, we moved all the way up to number eight with this new course, so nice. I'm very happy with that. That result to uh, to only been open for for about six months here and uh, and made it into the top ten on best golf courses in Sweden. So uh, yeah, if is, anyone is, makes makes a trip over here, they uh, they they should surely come and, and play that one uh, along with some of the other good golf courses we have in Sweden. Is there one in the top seven you have your eyes on that you're going to go like maybe and like play and then just write an awful tweet about saying this is like the worst golf course so you can hopefully lap them and, and move ahead or uh do you think it's just going to be the more your course kind of settles and the more people get to see it that you'll naturally move up to the your rightful spot at the top of the rankings yeah i, I don't think uh, necessarily that that course could maybe be a number one in sweden because when you're making these rankings whether it's a uh, a uh, golf course or uh, a golf magazine or whatever i mean you weigh in so many things in terms of uh, the design and strategy and condition and and location as well and we have you know a few a few real diamonds uh, here in Sweden when you ride on the ocean when you got a fantastic view uh, so on uh, this golf course uh, in in Stockholm uh, Österåker it's it's not on the ocean it's not a location that maybe can can challenge the um, uh, the number 1 2 and 3 spot in in a, in a list like that but to to you know get number eight straight out of the blocks that shows we've done a great job and and everyone at the golf club has has done a great job in maintaining it and, and presenting that course in 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 the best possible way as well so uh, really happy with that and and uh, excited when we will move on with phase two at uh, at Ustrokers golf club for for the second course as well so we we certainly Put the bar high, and and hopefully we can we can uh, uh, surpass that with with the second golf course there as well. So we'll we'll see what the future brings us. All right. Well, I'm just going to try to buy a hat from there, so I could say that I'm wearing a hat from uh, the eighth ranked golf course in Sweden uh, this week. The PGA Tour moving to the Detroit Golf Club, Donald Ross, um, new venue. So my first question is. When when the tour moves to a new venue or you play a tournament for the first time, what makes that week different? What are you trying to learn as opposed to like when when you come to Sawgrass, uh, a course that you you've won on and that you've you've known many times and it kind of stays the same other than the twelfth hole, which they seem to change every year. Um, what what's your approach like when when going to a new tour venue? Yeah, it's certainly a, a different approach because uh, showing up at a tournament. Uh, that I have not played before or a golf course I have not played before. It's going to take a lot more work uh, in the preparations to, to learn the golf course, uh, look at it, how you think you're going to be able to, to play the best this week with, with your game on this golf course. What, uh, what are the, the, the real 
uh, no no places to be on certain holes or certain pin positions and and how can how can you just manage your game the best way to to get the best score out of it and I, I like to walk the golf course if it's a brand new course for me I, I like to walk it I just take a wedge and a putter a couple of balls and I'll, I'll walk it I, I normally don't walk it green to tea like some have said and some seem to do but I'll, I'll just walk it straight up and and try and formalize a, a plan a strategy plan in my in my head in my mind and and then the second time then i will i will play it and try and use that plan and and, and see what tweaks needs to be done and and it, it can be quite different sometimes you, you can feel like it's is really long and then when you play it you, it doesn't appear to be that way and it, it can be a little bit different but i, I think when you're playing, you you tend to focus quite a lot on on how your game feels, your swing, and and everything go, goes around. So it's kind of hard to both do a practice round and and take in everything um, that you need to in terms of a new golf course at the same time. So I prefer to walk it, get that formalized plan, then I play it, and then. Uh, most likely, then we we might have a program as well where you where you get to test it once more. So uh, it certainly uh, would make me travel out at least a day earlier to have that extra time to to learn the golf course properly before the week. And what about a Donald Ross design in particular? Are you a fan of uh, Mr. Ross's work, or are, are you uh, are you more? Are there other architects that that you prefer a little more? Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, looking at his. His, uh, if I go online and look at how many golf courses he's made or designed or been involved in, it, it's, uh, I mean, it's crazy. It was just going on and on and on. Uh, I've played some of them, not, not anywhere near a lot of them, but Country Club of Orlando, he's been involved in. in yeah, in that's some a way. great one. Uh, that I played uh, East Lake came up there on the. On the list as well, and Pinehurst uh, and Pinehurst number two in particular that that we played the U.S. Open, um, and it was interesting there as well because we had to take in take in into consideration as well how much it's changed over the years. Some of these designs were done long, long time ago. Um, we didn't have the the mowers, the machines. We couldn't prep a golf course anywhere near the way we we can do today. So when you have those uh, kind of total back greens that you have at at, uh, at Pinehurst, if they're running eight on the stimp meter and, and now you can get them to 13, it's it's going to be totally different. So you have to bear that in mind as well because um, that's certainly some, some really, really difficult green complexes at Pinehurst number two when we played the US Open there in 2014. And... and uh, it's that balance when when you can make the surface that that much quicker these days. And Oakmont was another one there in in 2016 when we played the U.S. Open. I mean, it was virtually unputtable on on Friday afternoon when they double cut and and double rolled the greens, and you couldn't you tried a two putt from from 20 feet, and and I couldn't get the ball inside six feet. It was just super hard. So. Uh, the, the the old courses with the new setups can sometimes be a little tricky, but uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of like the the way the the thoughts with not moving too much earth and 
Uh, and also, I think one of the classical things were that you can run up a lot of shots uh, from short of the green and there would be more trouble behind. There would be runoffs and, and some slopes on the back of a lot of the greens on the kind of classical designs as well. So, um, yeah, I, I enjoy it. I enjoyed the challenge. Uh, I think uh, some of it comes down to, to those golf courses in this day and age as well. Sometimes it, it works out and sometimes doesn't. Yeah, I'm excited to see this week the Detroit Golf Club. I'm also excited each week to kind of ask you a little bit more about architecture, uh, particularly when you get back to playing. Uh, like, for instance, when when you get to Memphis, we're going to ask you to pick one hole on the golf course, potentially take a picture of it so you can put it out there visually for people to see it on your social channels and kind of break it down. So yeah, sure. uh, I'm excited for us to do that. Uh, I'm also excited each week, this is kind of a new thing, uh, we're going to look at a viral video. And uh, the viral video that we're going to look at, you're actually going to share on your channel. So if you want to hit pause on the podcast, go to Henrik's channels and watch this viral video. And we're back. Um, this gentleman tees off, hits a tree. The ball comes all the way back to the tee box, almost behind the tee box. So he has a negative driving distance. I'd love to see the shot tracer on this. Um, and then just starts just starts crying of the uh, you know whining what just happened Jack uh, I can tell you what happened Jack you hit a freaking tree and it came right back at you um, have you seen anything like that before um, yeah I mean not not maybe a full on drive like that and and I mean I couldn't tell from the video but I, I assumed the ball just popped straight up into the air then did it it did it kind of went then, straight up and, in the air and then kind of came backwards then, at him. And I don't think and he was just, faking it. I don't think this one was was staged. No, it didn't look like it. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's a. I guess you just uh, put the driver in the bag and you take out a three wood or two iron or something, and and you go from there, right? So it's it's just you you're right back where you started, or, or not even you're even behind. further back. Then yeah. yeah, you're behind where you started. So, I mean, yeah, there's there's some crazy things that can happen, and we have. 50 million people playing golf around the world there's there's going to be some funky shots and some fun moments and um yeah i i, I can just now talk about this crazy video here i got another one that i'll i'll share with you later and we'll we'll put that one in there next uh, oh good in the ne next episode it's it's quite an amusing one so uh, unless i'm yeah, in the video I, and if i'm in it please I, don't put it out there <laughs> but uh yeah, that that that's a good one. I, I mean, we have to give it to uh, to the fellow to hit it straight into the tree and come back behind him. That's uh, that's an achievement. Uh, I haven't managed to do that, but and and I hope I don't. Yeah, don't do that. Uh, especially not on tour. Uh, well, I would but, think uh, as as hard as you hit the ball, particularly with the three wood, you would probably knock the tree down, and it would just keep going forward. And the tree would would be the one who would be asking Jack what happened because it just it just got absolutely destroyed by the. <laughs> by the ball speed you create with your three. But all right, well, we're going to do that every week. Um, this day in obscure Henrik Stinson history. I'm actually going to ask you to tell me the obscure day because I don't remember it because it was midsummer. What's the craziest midsummer thing that's happened to you? We talked about what that was at the top of the pod. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I, I have to say uh, since my, I mean, early days, I've played tournament golf a lot of times at midsummer. So it's only, it's only in these last couple of years, really, that I've had it off and I've been able to be home in Sweden and spend time with, with friends and family over, over the midsummer holidays. So it's been pretty, pretty calm when you've got young kids and so on. You know, it's not going to be uh, it's not going to turn into a rave party. Right. So 
um, it, it's been pretty, pretty subtle, 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 subtle. I should subtle, say. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's right. uh, it, it's not been not many stories to tell there really, um, and uh, but I, I do know that the the other one, the crayfish parties that we normally have in in August uh, September time. They can be a they can be a, a little bit more rough than the midsummer parties uh, for really? some and and uh, we were mentioning it earlier with the with the schnapps and the the aqua wheat uh, and uh, there, there's been a few foreigners uh, paying the price for sitting there singing songs drinking a lot of aqua wheats and and eating crayfish and then. When they stand up, uh, the legs are uh, not really holding them up anymore, and they've been taking a tumble. So I've seen a few of those over the years, and that can be quite amusing. So uh, wh- whenever you make your way over here to Sweden, watch out for the aquavit. Okay, well, let's let's make sure we do a live podcast during the crayfish party. I think that would be a really smart move for us. Uh, <laughs> last thing I want to get to before we kind of get to our Swedish word of the week uh, is a tour story. Each week, uh, Henrik gives us a tour story, and he names names. So uh, what do you got for us on your, your tour story this week? Yeah, I, um, I actually decided to pick... Uh, what is known as the cat story. I know you you have a cat. And, yeah, Miles and, is Siamese uh, cat. Yeah, uh, doesn't work out too well for the cat in this story, though. But it, it's just such a crazy story, and it's a true story. So I, well, the others are true as well, obviously. But yeah, of course. Uh, it, it's not from, from life on tour, but it was it actually involved some of, some of my mom's friends. And they go into this uh, very famous uh, shopping place in, in Sweden, so they all meet up and they're going on this trip. And when they're a couple of miles away from from their destination, they accidentally hit this beautiful cat that's running over the road, and they 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 kill it. Um, they stop, and yeah, the the cat is dead. But it's a beautiful cat, and they feel really bad leaving it by the side of the road. So they they pick up uh, pick out a bag put the cat in the bag and they drive on, get to the, the big shopping center to, to their destination, uh, realize that they can't leave the dead cat in the car the whole day in the heat. So they, they put the, the bag underneath the car behind one of the, one of the wheels and they go away shopping for a couple of hours. They're coming back for lunch and they're going to put their, their shopping bags in the car and they're looking down and the bag with the cat is gone. So, well, what do you do? There's nothing to do, right? So they go in, sit down and have lunch. And in the middle of lunch, they're looking across to this other table. And there's an older couple sitting there having lunch. And they have a bunch of bags, shopping bags by, oh, the, by the table. And one of the ladies recognized this bag because it's from her local store. So she tells the other girls, well, look at this. They got the, they got the the bag with a cat, <laughs> and at this point, they, I mean, they don't know what to do, so they're just carrying on with their lunch. But at this point, the the lady on the other table, she's finished up her lunch, so she's now, she's obviously stolen the bag. She's seen this bag, sitting under the car, thinking it's someone who's gone out. The car is locked, and they put the merchandise underneath the the car for for. Um, later so now she's curious on her on her find so she leans over 
opens the bag and sees this mangled dead cat in the in the bag. So she faints, and she hits the head in the in the table, and blood starts squirting out. And they call the ambulance, and she's down on the ground. And the ambulance comes. They put her on a stretcher, takes her into the back of the ambulance. The the husband jumps in, and the last thing that happens is the one of the ambulance. Uh, drivers is coming and picking up all the bags including the one with the dead cat puts them all in the back of the ambulance shuts the doors and they drive off into the sunshine uh into, into the sunset and there's my mom's friends just sitting at this table just staring out and don't know what to what to say about what just happened so it, it's certainly a crazy story it's not from tour but i, I still kind of like this story i think it's it's uh it's got some karma in it, right? Because late- I'm speechless. I'm I'm with what you said at the end there. I don't know what to say about that story either. That's crazy. Um, but well, don't go around stealing bags underneath someone's car because you don't know yeah. what you're going to get. That's kind of the moral of the story, right? Agreed. So, Agreed. All right. Well, that's that's yeah. a good lesson for all the kids out there who are listening. Do not steal bags because you never know what's going to be in them with with dead cats in them or or no. without dead cats in them. Just don't steal stuff. Right? <laughs> no. No, absolutely. All right. Henrik, we have succeeded on episode three. Uh, we need to ask everybody to please, wherever you consume your podcasts, or please subscribe to this, rate it, review it, leave us your thoughts. And if you leave us thoughts that are nice, we may read some of those on the show. Maybe those people get t-shirts too. So Henrik, it's time for the Swedish Order of the Week. And uh, one of the keys to midsummer is getting people out of your house after they've been there all day and they've had a few too many. Uh, how, how do I usher someone out? How do I say a nice, friendly goodbye? Because I know how to say hello, which is age, er, merdu. Yeah, hur mår du? Hey, hur mår du? Hey, hur mår du? Uh, good, good, uh, goodbye is just uh, hey, door. Oh, that's so easy. Hey, door. Hey, door. Hey, door. Uh, but if they've been there too long and they don't want to leave, I think you should say Dak sat go hem. Dak sat go hem. Yeah, that's time to leave. All right. It's time, time for you to leave. Yeah. Well, you, want to you, know got it. you want to know what's ironic as we finish the show right now? It's been an hour. Just about. Dak sat go hem. That's what you're Dark probably thinking you're saying to me right now. Yeah. All right. Dak sat go hem. Well, this has been Almost an hour podcast with Henrik Stenson presented by Callaway Golf. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. And we will see you in two weeks with episode four.